There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Glenn James. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I hope that you uh, learn at least one thing from this episode. So you might be thinking, what are we all about? Well, here at My Millennial Money, we want to help you sort your money out. We want to encourage you week on week to do less stupid things with money and really minimize the loss of doing dumb things with money. And uh, on the flip side, we want to encourage you to make really smart financial decisions as well. So within all that happens with our money week on week, uh, we're not above doing dumb things, but this type of encouragement can really help us stay focused and stay intentional with our money. Uh, And I was a financial advisor for over 12 years and turned into a podcaster. So I'm not really a journalist or an online blogger or influencer or anything like that. I'm just a guy that wanted to make a bit of a difference. And I started the podcast to do that. But weirdly enough, one of the encouraging things that helped me start the podcast was I went to a conference in the United States called FinCon. And it's an online kind of finance blogger conference. And it's basically for YouTubers, Instagrammers, podcasters, bloggers, anyone who does personal finance stuff online. And you know, because it's in America, everything's huge. So, you know, I went to this big conference. I think the first year I went was in Dallas and it really opened my eyes. And in fact, the keynote speaker at the time when I went there was this dude called Pat Flynn. And it was just amazing because you know, everyone's like, oh, Pat Flynn's over there and we saw him out there the other day. And so he, he had this huge name in America uh, on the money scene and the entrepreneurial scene. And he's interviewed a heap of really kind of big names in the American money scene, Tim Ferriss, Amy Porterfield. So if you're into all this kind of online stuff, some of these names are, are quite big. Anyway, I tracked down Pat and he was fortunate enough to say yes to come on My Millennial Money, which blew me away. Uh, But just a bit about Pat, he's basically got a podcast called the Smart Passive Income Podcast. He's got a book called Superfans and Will It Fly? He's a keynote speaker, a professional blogger. He's got several online businesses. His books made it onto the Wall Street Journal uh, bestselling author list. Get this, his podcasts have had well over 60 million downloads. So huge, huge deal. Uh, I was a bit um, bit nervous really. He's featured in the New York Times and Forbes. Uh, he's an advisor to ConvertKit, Leadpages, Teachable. So the company that we use for the Glen James Spending Plan to host that is Teachable. So he advises them. So he is a big deal. I was actually really bloody nervous doing these interviews because I'm just like this guy from Australia. So I held it together. I think I had a really good conversation. If you're not in small business or if you're not in that mindset of entrepreneurial things, my challenge is what can you learn to just plug into your normal day? I think we can always learn stuff 
and apply those concepts and principles to other areas in our life. And if you really enjoy the show and you like this episode, please forward it to a friend. I appreciate your support. So let's hear the chat I had with Pat Flynn. Take away the podcasts, the online businesses, your YouTube channel, and your work. Who is Pat Flynn? I'm a father and a husband, first and foremost. I'm somebody who really, really, really cares about helping other people. I get energy when I see that I'm able to make an impact on others. And I think that is prominent in the podcast and the YouTube channel and the blog and all those things. But even here in San Diego with the community, with the local coffee shop that I'm helping support and invest in, to friends who might be trying to start something new or who might be going through some pain, I'm going to be there to show up for them. And that's kind of really what I boil down to. And I, and I think that's what uh, has helped me get to where I'm at today. Were you born and raised in California? I wasn't, in fact. Uh, I spent most of my life in California, but I was born in Connecticut, which is on the east coast of the United States, uh, a little small state. And uh, my father had switched jobs when I was six. And we either had the choice to move to California on the west coast, which is where, I'm at, where I am now, or Florida down in the southern, uh, southern part. Uh, and I'm very glad he chose California because I've been a Californian ever since. And even when I went to college, it was up at UC Berkeley in the northern part of California. And then I came back down after that. And I don't think I'm leaving anytime soon, unless it's a vacation to Australia. Love it. You're not going to um, take your business and get a 10% tax cut <laughs> into Texas? Yeah, that's actually a legit question because everybody and their mom is moving out of California right now because of taxes. And, uh, you know, Elon Musk moved to Texas. Uh, a lot of my friends who are entrepreneurs moved to Texas. I have another friend who lived here named John Lee Dumas, another prominent podcaster who moved to Puerto Rico. So he only has to pay 4% taxes, wow. but he has to stay there six year, six months out of the year. And for me, I'm like, I have family here. I have memories here. This is beautiful weather. We got the beaches. It's like Gold Coast in Australia, but you know, my backyard. Yeah. I'm going to work harder and I'm going to work smarter so that I can stay here. And if I'm moving because of something money related, then I don't know if that's why I want to do anything because of money. Mm. Yeah, it's a really interesting point. Your sense of wanting to help people, did that come from anyone close in your life growing up? Or do you think that was just some innate thing that you can't turn away from, from a younger age? I, th I think it was three things. Number one, definitely my mom. She is definitely somebody who is uh, of service to others first. I mean, almost to a fault. We'll go to a party, a friend's party, and she's literally there washing their dishes. And I'm just like, D don't do that, mom. Don't like enjoy yourself. But why are you, why well, they need help. They they were hospitality, you know, they, they were so kind to bring us in. Like, this is the least I can do. You know, so that's that's one person I think who has helped. Secondly, when I was in school, uh, I was a very short kid. So I got bullied a lot. And I remember it was the people, in fact, in the marching band where I found refuge, where people who were also nerds and weird and weirdly and oddly shaped like me were there to help and support me. So I saw the impact that a person who was nice, who helped somebody who was in need, me, what that could do for me. And, and so that, that 
was the beacon of light in my you know high school uh, age was uh, in marching band because of other people. So I, I, I felt that on the receiving end. So from that point forward, I wanted to, to be the giver of that. Yeah. What did you play? In <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, no. I played, I played the trumpet. Uh, I started playing the trumpet in fourth grade. So when I was, uh, I don't know, nine years old. And then I played all the way through college. And I even, <laughs> this is kind of funny. So my junior year, the third year of, of university, I tried out to be the student director of the University of California Marching Band, which was like, you know, a student director was one of the most prestigious sort of things that you could be elected to. And I lost by one vote. I was devastated. So my whole senior year, I was devastated because the person who was actually student director took it from me and I was like countering everything they were doing because they weren't doing a great job. Anyway, I had the opportunity to graduate, but I decided to take one more course in landscape architecture my fifth year of college just so I could be in the marching band one more year and so I tried out to be student director from my fourth to fifth year and I won by a landslide and that actually was so important in my life to bend the rules a little bit because I was qualified I was taking one course but it wasn't really the normal course that most people took being student director that year allowed me to meet the people that helped me get my architecture job. I didn't get my architecture job through resume or a job interview. It was done through a relationship that was done because I was student director in the band. And that job led me to uh, becoming uh, close to an architect until I got laid off. And then that layoff brought me to the world of online business and entrepreneurship, where I took the knowledge that I had as an architect, packaged it into an online program, that then ended up making you know several hundreds of thousands of dollars, and again, if if I hadn't quote unquote bent the rules a little bit because I wanted this thing so bad, none of that would have happened. Who knows where I would end up today? It it's a fascinating story because I was going to actually ask you about that transition from the architecture world in '08 and you you know getting laid off during the JFC and landing you know into what you're kind of doing now. I think I've kind of. Listening to people's stories, uh, I pick up two things and that is anything that we do, it's not wasted because I believe you can glean from it. I believe it can propel you into somewhere else. So I don't know about you, Pat, but sometimes I do this and swing around and talk to my listeners right now. So I want you to listen to Pat and just understand uh, and learn from what he went through and see how you can apply it to your situation. And the second thing, Pat, it speaks of that building of resilience. So yeah. l- looking back, you know, you got laid off. GFC, you were due to be married. You know, that's a hard pill to swallow to tell your bride-to-be that, hey, darling, how you doing? I uh, still want to marry a homeless guy uh, or You're without right. a job. So I'm moving back home with my parents. How's that feel? Yeah, so I, I guess I want to talk about the resilience and what that did in you at that melting pot of a time. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it, it was number one, just eye-opening because I was on this path that everybody told me I was supposed to be on. Society, my parents, were whatever, get good grades, get a, go to a good college, get a good job, uh, invest into your 401k retirement account, and then you're 65 and yay, everything's good. Uh, and I was on that path. And then when I got taken out of it, it was almost as if it was like in the matrix where Neo gets unplugged and then he's like waking up in this world, but it's like painful, it hurts, but then all of a sudden he can see everything. He's like, wow, 
that wasn't what I thought it was. What the heck is going on? And I felt lost just like Neo did in the Matrix. But then I found mentors. I found other people who were doing things that I didn't even know was possible like online business. And that was Morpheus, right? Coming down and finding me and then taking me into the place where I could discover the truth and discover what my true calling was. And then all of a sudden I'm bending down, dodging bullets from people. Hey, uh, I'm going to stop with the Matrix uh, analogy. Yeah, but, because- you know, <laughs> I was just about to say is because we're fossils and dinosaurs. And if you're under, I don't know, 28, you might not actually know what the matrix is. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. That is true. I'm an old man now. I forgot about yeah. that. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll come back to reality. You know, it, it was hard at first, but it makes me think of like all these survival shows, right? And that's what I was trying to do. I was in survival. I just watched a survival show. It's called like Primal Survival Survivor. It's on Disney Plus. My kids and I and my wife watch it actually while we eat dinner. It's just fascinating. And the other day, this dude, he's like literally in Africa in the middle of nowhere. He has no resources or anything. And he's like, I need to make a fire. And he doesn't have any resources. So he's like, oh, look, a pile of poo from an elephant. Like this thing that is like crap that most people are like, okay, he sees it as an opportunity to create something that could help him. And I think that a lot of crap happens in our lives and it's what we end up doing with it that determines whether or not this is gonna turn into good energy that could fuel us or if it's gonna be stinky and we're gonna just complain about it all day, right? And so for me, it was very crappy and I'm very thankful that I had support from my wife or soon to be wife, that was really important to have that immediate support, a shoulder to cry on, et cetera. Then to get inspiration to see what else is out there was really important too. But of course, all along the way, when I tried to get into that world of online business, I started to have a lot of doubts. I started to have feelings that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't qualified and all those usual things that we all feel when we're trying something new um, started to creep in and try to get in the way. And actually, I still continue to try to get back into architecture because I didn't believe that this was the path I was supposed to be on. Even though I had started this business, it was actually making money, more money than I was as an architect. I was still submitting my resume because I just didn't believe. I was hanging on to the past. My parents paid my way through college and I was like, that's kind of a waste of money if I don't do what they paid me to do, which was to be an architect. And the analogy is like if, if like I was climbing the corporate ladder, right? You hear this all the time. What happens when you climb a higher and a higher in the ladder? You grip tighter because you don't want to fall. I was gripping so hard. And then all of a sudden there's this new ladder and the sky is the, like the, 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 it's limitless up there. I, can, I, can, I can't even see the end of the ladder because there's just so many opportunities, but I'm scared. So I take one hand and I put it on that new ladder and I take another hand and I put another foot, but that last foot's still on the old ladder. There's no way you can climb that new ladder if you're still hanging on to the old ladder. I had to let go. And when I finally let go, it was scary. But that's when things really started to happen. Things started to, to excel. And I started to see more success than I had even ever imagined. And I'm still climbing that ladder today. And the cool thing is this ladder has no, no end to it. When you consider a corporate ladder, you know, there's usually a ceiling. And um, and then and then and then that's it. Yeah, and I'm glad you've mentioned a couple of things there. And we we got a bit heavy at the start, but I should probably just say now on behalf of my millennial money listeners, thanks for joining us on the show today. Um, hey, thank you. <laughs> I don't uh, get to talk to many cool people with uh, podcasts with you know 
you know, you're probably clipping almost 70, 100 million downloads. So uh, Pat, everybody is a big deal. So we really thank him for his time. So this podcast, if it is your first episode and you've stumbled across, one of the primary reasons that we do it is to encourage you. You know, you're in the trenches, you know, Pat mentioned that, you know, you might get some negative naysays and bullets flying everywhere and all these things. You can come here weekly and get encouragement. So that's number one. And hearing people like Pat talk will give you that encouragement. The second thing, Pat, that you mentioned was the turd in the hands. So the challenge to a lot of people is, well, I've only got this. Well, what is in your hand and how can you use what's in your hand? I mean, you used uh, this architectural industry thing to to go to some something else. And then I'm, I'm thinking as well, it's like, okay, what's in your hand? Maybe you've got something in your hand holding you back, that corporate ladder. And before I end my TED talk, I believe if you are not content with where you're at today, that's not forever. And sometimes if you've got the itch to scratch to do your own thing or be your own boss or, you know, get out of the corporate world and off that ladder, I think you've got to choose your hard. It's hard to stay in corporate land. It's also hard to start your own thing. What hard do you want to choose? All right, we're probably done. <laughs> no, dude, we're getting deep today. This is this is epic. Uh, first of all, to your point of listening to a podcast and getting encouragement, the part of the story I didn't tell was yeah. when I was in a hole after getting laid off, it was, an, it was a podcast that got me out of that. It was actually continually listening to it building a relationship with the hosts. I didn't get to meet them in person until way later, but the encouragement that I got and the stories that I heard, in fact, there was one story in particular they had a guest on. His name was Cornelius Fitchner, and he was helping people pass the project management exam. And that was my light bulb moment. When I heard his story, I was like, what? You could do that? Tell me more. And that's when I ended up going more into that uh, that podcaster's academy and, and learning from them specifically. And I got to contact Cornelius and ask him, and he was super helpful. There are so many helpful people in this world. You have no idea until you start asking. And getting over the fear of, of, of rejection, getting over the fear of asking for help, people want to help you, but they're not going to know that you need help until you ask. And the other thing is that if you are holding this thing and you don't know what it is, you can ask people, well, what do I do with this? Or how do I know what this is? The other thing that when, when, it start, when, when you wanna start something new, oftentimes we do think about the thing we're holding and we're so enclosed in our own world that we can't see things because you can't read the label when you're outside the bottle. So getting that outside help is really key, but also the key to starting something successful like a side hustle or a full-time business or anything is to not start from what you have, but to start from what do they need? What does what what does this group of people you 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 target a specific group of people and you start having conversations with them you start talking to them this is what I talk about in my book will it fly all the research involved with okay who is in who who needs help what what are your challenges what are your struggles when you can make something easier more convenient when you can help people save money when you can help them save time that is of value to them and that can come with an exchange of money coming your way in such a way where everybody wins right so my first business was helping people pass an architectural exam i charged for that information but because of that they were able to pass a test that was very difficult they were able to then get a promotion or a raise at their job. And it got to the point where, in fact, I was helping so many people through the internet. 
not even actually ever having a real conversation with somebody, and that's the power of online. I was also a little shy, so I didn't want to actually talk to people in person. But uh, you know, emails and through the comment sections of blogs and whatnot, um, I've had. I had. There, there's this one woman who reached out to me, and she thanked me for helping her pass this exam. I helped her get a promotion, and then at the end of the email, she said, "Your biggest fan, Jackie." I was like, "Your biggest fan." Like, I just helped you pass an exam. Like, I'm not a musician or a rock star or an actor, but you were biggest fan. I just, like, it was so weird to me. But then three months later, I realize, because I get all, I see my customer list, I see, like, 25 or 30 people from the same firm that she was at buy my product. She had, I found this out later, she had convinced her boss to get the entire office to buy my product that one single person. And that's really what it comes down to because starting a business or something on the side is very difficult. It's like, oh, how do I help all these people? Help one person, help get them what they need because the truth is, and I think Zig Ziglar said this, nobody's ever gotten poor by helping other people get what they want. Mm. But the trick is you gotta know what they want and then you help them get them. You help them get there and the law of reciprocity comes into play. They wanna help you back if you help them out. Yeah. Just for my own benefit, so I don't forget while you just talked about it, can you just tell us a little bit about the Will It Fly book? Because I, I did want to ask you about a book at the end of the episode, but just sure, in case sure. I forget it, can you just give us a bit of a yeah, yeah. info about that book? Yeah, so it's called Will It Fly. I wrote it in 2015 because people knew that I started businesses for people and I started a lot of businesses for myself and shared it openly, but people still had questions. How do I know that this idea that I have is going to work? That was the most common question. And because they didn't know it was gonna work, they didn't take action, they didn't do anything, and they're just kind of you know, complacent, wondering, well, what if, well, I don't know, I'm too scared. Uh, if only I knew that this had a chance. Okay, well, let me write a book and I help people answer that question. So it really takes you through a journey of you know, uh, taking this big goal that you have, chopping it, chopping it up into a lot of tiny little pieces that are now little mini milestones that you could reach so that you reach this mini milestone and you go, okay, how did that feel? Do I want to keep going? Does the customer or person prospect like it? Okay, let's keep going. Green light, green light, green light. When you get to a red light and there's something weird that happens, maybe you try to make a sale and it didn't happen. Well, you can go back to the last green light because you knew that it was going to work up until then. So now you've sort of focused in on the problem area. And now you know it's okay. It's just a positioning or sales uh, issue. It's not an issue with the product or the customer or the product to market fit. It's just the messaging didn't come across. And so this breaks everything down for you. And so many people have used this book to start their own thing on the side, many of them going full time with it. And it does lay it out because it is a little overwhelming to, to go, well, how do I even start this thing and create something on the side? So that again, it's called Will It Fly? And uh, it'll help you see if your idea will fly or not. And it's so good to know that it doesn't right away, right? That's the other thing. This book will help you understand if your ideas are bad. Right from the right from the get go, you want to know that as soon as possible, so that you can get that out of your brain and move on to the next thing. It's totally cool to have a failed idea because you can remove it from your brain and move on to the next one. I think the thing that helped me uh, that I had to get over because when I was a child, I was all about being perfect, 4.0 student in school. That's all A's, perfect all the time. Nothing else was good enough. I would come home with a 97% on my math test. And my dad would be like, what happened to the other 3%, right? So I, I grew up with perfectionism in my blood. Mm. If you wanna succeed as an entrepreneur or something on the side, 
you cannot be a perfectionist because that means you're never gonna even get something out there because you're gonna be too afraid that it's not good enough. And it's unfortunate because part of the process of building a business, like I talk about in Will It Fly, is you get people to tell you what's not working. You figure out where the failure points are because every one of those failure points becomes a lesson that you can learn to help you steer the ship in the right direction. Mm. That reminds me, if you're listening and you're already a small business owner and you know you need to hire a staff member, bloody hire them today. You can't control the world. And, you know, it, it was a challenge for me. Like, even, like we, we've got Jess who does all our Instagram stuff and a post went up the other day and I kind of cringed and it got a bit of heat and I'm like, that was said wrong. And then she's like, oh, you approved it. I must have <laughs> gave it a really fast approve on the uh, on the pre-approval thing, uh, but stuff will go wrong and it happens. But you just got to work through it, and it's all good. So you can check out Will It Fly. We'll put a link in the show notes. But let's get Thank into you. this passive income idea. You're known to be the passive income guy. You've got a podcast, the Smart Passive Income Show. What is passive income, and is it available to anyone? to start a passive income stream. Let me just tell you all up front, you never start a passive income business. Passive income is the final result of a very active start of something that helps people because the passive part comes when you have your systems in place now and you can become super efficient. When you have tools that are now doing a lot of the stuff that you used to do yourself. When you have, like you said, people doing a lot of the stuff too. So I'm so glad you mentioned that because that is a part of the passive income equation. But no, it's not easy and it's the last step in the process. The first step is everything we just went over with Will It Fly. But eventually, and this is the beauty of the era that we live in now, you can remove yourself from your business, from the solution that you're providing almost fully. Hmm. Now, nothing or hardly anything is 100% set it and forget it forever. Even real estate, even investing in the stock market, you have to upkeep your portfolio and manage it. But it's not an everyday thing if you're in it for a long term in retirement, but you still have to manage it. And the same thing with your business. And so, for example, you know, I had a business that I started on the side that I ran as an experiment. It was a public experiment to show people how to build a website. This was back in 2010. And it was actually a website in the security guard training industry in the United States. Super dry, super boring. I found an opportunity because a lot of people were looking for information about that. There wasn't any great information. So I literally built the website to help people get jobs in that industry. And I I set it up and it took a lot of work. People were watching it like literally every day, calling people to get information on how to become a security guard in every single state in the US because it's different depending on what state you're in. And I eventually hired a writer to help me do that. I paid somebody to help me with the website. You know, So there's some investment up front. And again, sharing the entire process all the way. But then on day 73, it got to number one in Google for the term security guard training. And I started making some money from it. It started making about $30 a day and then $50 a day, all the way up to about $250 a day at one point. And it had been making money every single year for the last nine years. Basically, I just had to go in once every three months just to make sure that the content was updated, to check my stats and make sure there weren't any holes or leaks and just to check on things. And that's it. 
And I recently sold that business, in fact, to get it out of my head and out of my space. But that provided, you know, over $100,000 with just 70 days of investment up front and then once a day every three months just to kind of upkeep it. And that's just one example of, of several. Uh, right now, I have a physical product, in fact. It's called the SwitchPod. And this was a fun little project that uh, my videographer and I, we invented, in fact, a tripod for traveling and a tripod for vloggers that we launched on Kickstarter. It took about a year and a half of investment of time. Not all of our time. It was about once a week that we kind of got together and continued to work on this and continued to prototype it. We went to events and shared it with people to have them, again, poke holes in it, tell us why it was terrible so we can make it better, of course, uh, versus what a lot of people do is they'll keep it secret and then launch it, and then it's like not the way it should be. So anyway, this business now has been up for uh, about a couple years. It's been making sales. We launched it in the beginning of 2019, and we uh, had generated within 60 days $418,000 through a Kickstarter campaign, and we had uh, over 4,000 people back it, and that was because we spent a lot of time. But now the business is on Amazon. It's making about 20 to 25 sales of uh, per, units per day because Amazon is doing a lot of the work to market it because we've nailed the search engine optimization. People are talking about it. And so we're doing very little work now and it's getting in people's hands and we're seeing it in the wild now, which is pretty crazy. Investment of time up front to create a solution to solve a problem that can then later be turned into something that could be automated in some way, shape or form. So I'm just looking at it online at the moment. So it's the tripod that becomes a selfie stick. Is yes. that the one? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so that's going pretty good, I would imagine. Yeah, we are very close to being in a store right now, and I'm not going to say what store because we're still we're still dealing with them. But uh, it's gotten so popular that you know we might be in a big box store here in the U.S. at some point, and we'll see what happens after that. So, you know, prepping for these episodes and you know being an interviewer guy and all that stuff, I've spent some time in my head thinking about what we're going to talk about. And to be honest, I didn't really come up with much because I thought I'll just. I think Pat will be a guy that I can just have a bit of a chat with. <laughs> the riff, man. But um, you know, I was thinking, particularly the last couple of days, this whole thing of passive income. It's to me, I've resolved. How can you work over time? to stop trading your time for money in a direct linear way because, you know, the Tim Ferriss four-hour work week, you know, it's a popular book and that concept yeah. popular. Inspired me. Absolutely. But I reckon the way that he's actually done that, just me thinking, there's probably one in 300 million people that can actually do it to that effect, like literally four hours a week and then you go sit on an island. So it's it literally an island on the book cover, him on a hammock exactly. with like a laptop. <laughs> yeah. It's like the epitome of just entrepreneurship. Kind of yeah. <laughs> um, where like, so for me, like I've got an online course and thank you to everyone who's purchased the Glenn James spending plan. Like I'll be honest, it prints money, but it didn't at the start because that course I did face to face to hundreds of people. We set up projectors in a room. I was like little mm -hmm. Dave Ramsey in the back, you know, driving around teaching money stuff. Like I'd done it over and over. And then, you know, it's all good to have an online course. So then you've got to market the bastard. Then you've got to do maintenance on it. And then the money that we get from it, we pay staff. So it is that, I think, Pat, it's more of that mindset of when you have your business, how do you stop a direct trade? Here's an hour of my time. Here's X amount. Yeah. 
I think there's a number of ways to think about your time in the business. Because in the beginning, it's going to be all you and you got to do and all that grinding and you're going to be wearing all the hats. So part of it is over time, giving other people certain hats so that you can do more of what you like and want to do. So that's a huge weight off your shoulder because now you're not doing all the sort of little tiny tasks that need to get done. Other people are doing that. And the truth is other people can do that better and faster and actually enjoy those things too. So if you can find team members that are good at those things that you don't like, you're also just playing on your strengths and handing off your weaknesses versus what at the beginning I tried to do all the things that even things I was weak at and it was just overwhelming me and burning me out. So that that's a big thing. Then you can start having more leadership in the business where they can actually have a role in and a say in what what is going to happen. And that's what I have in my business now where I have uh, a chief operating officer and certain managerial type people who are responsible for a lot of the team so that I can just, you know, in fact, not just spend more time on the things I want to spend time on, like podcasting and building relationships, but I can actually take some time off knowing that the business is gonna continue to run. There's a book called Clockwork, which is really amazing. And in this book, Clockwork, the whole goal of this book is to manage your business in a way such that at one point every year, you could take a four-week break, like a vacation, and it still runs perfectly. And I know for many people, that's like, what? I can't even imagine a day without me being involved. But when you build for a business like that, you have the room to, whether you take that four-week break or not, although it is recommended, and I know you're a fan of sort of unplugging for a little bit and then plugging back in even stronger, but four weeks out of your business, your business needs to be set up in a way that is gonna be run in a more automated fashion. And for me, passive income isn't being on the beach with a laptop and a hammock like Tim Ferriss. By the way, he even said, he even told me like, yeah, probably was a big mistake to name it four-hour work week. I get so much crap for that. It's more about the principle, right? Like you could set things up in a way where you are now somewhere else while the business is running. But the guy yeah, probably he, works he, a 60-hour week. <laughs> it was a very clickbaity kind of uh, yeah. book title. But for me, my beach with a hammock and a laptop is I get to go to Target at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday when there's nobody in the store, I get parking right up front and I can do my grocery shopping and, bl- and buy presents for the birthday party in the weekend, no problem. I, could, I don't have to be at work until five. I can have freedom of time. And that's what it is for me. It's the freedom of time. I'm still working hard. I'm grinding. It is 11.21 p.m. right now in San Diego because I wanted to show up for the Australian audience who often doesn't get a chance to hear me. But I'm gonna do that because I love it and, and I enjoy it. But I also can take all of tomorrow off and the business is going to run fine and we're still going to generate an income. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing. So we've talked pretty like big complex stuff, like all these systems and processes. Uh, and that's inspiring for a lot of us who are out there having a grind. If we take it back to, you know, the young guy who's sitting at his desk uh, in Adelaide right now and working and listening to this podcast or there's a young lady uh, in Brisbane and you've been to Brisbane a few times. She's on the bus home from work and she wants to get out of this rat race. What are some of the main things that your students do to start a an online business? What about Perth? Are we going to give Perth uh, any love? Does anybody nah. care about? No. Nah. Perth, <laughs> Perth is the most isolated capital city on the planet. And I love that's you. That's on the West Coast, right? Yeah, that's right. I love you, Perth. Uh, someone said to me the other day, She's like, oh, I just love the sunrise. And I'm like, well, I'm not a morning, morning person, so I'll, I'll just go to Perth and watch the sun set. So. 
I, I love, oh man, dude, I need to go back to Australia. Melbourne, my uh, one of my, the most beautiful architectural city, uh, one of the most beautiful I've been to. Uh, Brisbane, I have family there. Just absolutely love it. Uh, the Gold Coast, geez. Uh, we, we need to hook up when, when yeah, I- Yeah, come, come down. Anyway. Um, yeah, so like, so for the individuals out there who are on the grind and they want to know what to do with their career and their life and they know they want some autonomy, what are some of the main things people are doing online at the moment that you see in your sphere? Well, a lot of it starts with freelancing. Freelancing is an amazing way to quickly start something where you find somebody who needs a skill that you have who either doesn't know how to do it or doesn't have the time to. It may take a little bit of convincing to help them understand that their time is better spent elsewhere and they could spend money with you to save time and do do those things. But that's where it starts. And just finding one person that you can help makes everything so much easier. Let's not even worry about the website. Let's not even worry about the Twitter and the Facebook page or nothing. Just go out there and find a person who might need some help and share what you can do to make their lives easier. Because again, that's where it comes from, from coming from a place of service. And that will hone in on your how I can get people skills. Like when you when you get that first client, everything changes in your brain. You no longer think this is impossible for me. It might be, wow, this is hard or difficult, but now you no longer could ever factually believe that this is impossible for you anymore. And that's the first thing. It's getting over that hurdle, which is why starting with one makes it so much easier. Too often though, I see so many people who are like, okay, I have a business idea. I'm gonna build the website. I'm gonna get the business cards. It's like, you don't have a business yet. Help one person. Maybe you're a singer and you wanna help a mom who's busy because their kids are at home now and you wanna actually do singing lessons with the kids so mom can have an hour of rest finally, right? You're actually doing singing lessons for the kid, but who are you actually doing it for? You're doing it for the parents so they get a break and their kids are getting a singing lesson too. Pitch it to them in that way and you can train them. You've never done singing lessons before? Cool. You get to try it on one person and you get to learn and experience it firsthand. And guess what? Having the pressure of somebody who now has paid you for something is gonna force you to figure it out. And that's that force, that pressure is something that's so needed because right now, if you aren't feeling any pressure, you're probably just gonna keep doing what you've been doing, like literally. And that's why I'm so grateful that I was let go because it pressured me to figure things out. The fact that I had a wedding to pay for and I was starting this family, I had to do things that I normally wouldn't do in order to make it work. And so I would just put yourself in that position. And of course, what's the worst that can happen? Maybe the lesson's terrible. Maybe they ask for the money back. Well, at least it's contained to that one person and not 50 people that you sold something to that you've never tried before. So freelance, whether it's maybe web design or maybe some skill that you have singing, maybe you wanted to be a personal chef for somebody who maybe just doesn't have the time or you can do meal prep for somebody. Maybe it is voiceovers. Like literally people go to fiverr.com or upwork.com and you can check out, like you could literally buy this kind of stuff from anybody. People are freelancing all over the place and it's a great place to start. And from there, you can either just do more of it and be comfortable helping five, 10 people. You can make a great living helping five to 10 people who pay you you know, monthly for something, right? You, you don't need the next Uber or the next Tesla or the next fidget spinner. You just need a small group of people to help. And guess what? When you help one person, typically somebody just like them knows them and they're gonna share you with them too. That referral marketing goes a very long way. So that's how you can scale. The other thing about this is maybe you do wanna expand. Maybe you do wanna scale up. Okay, now you hire somebody, you teach them the way that you do things and now they're doing it 
with other people and you can kind of like branch out that way. That's called the agency model. You take this service, this consultation, whatever it is you do, and now you have other people doing it under you and maybe you are sitting on the beach while your team is doing all that work that you you used to once do. I don't know, whatever you wanna do with that time, um, you can go that route or you could productize it. Like you said, you have a course, other people who have services turn those services into products that people can buy or courses where, that people can learn from and now this is a digital asset that can continue to work for you. But it doesn't start with, oh, should I make a course or should I write a book? It doesn't start with, oh, well, you know, what, what does my um, you know, package look like for my services? It starts with you finding a person who needs some help and just chatting with them, talking with them, seeing what you could best do to help them. Let's make it easy. Let's not make it hard, right? This is another thing that Tim Ferriss told me. He said, if you're doing anything new that you've never done before, always approach it with this question in mind. If this were easy, what would it look like? Just go do it that way. If this were easy, what would it actually look like? Because too often, especially the entrepreneurial minds like us, we try to overcomplicate things when we don't need to, mm. right? So let's just simplify. Yeah, it's funny. Like for, for this year, 2021, my whole thing, and you probably got there before me with all your stuff going on, but it's like, I want to do less things, but better. And... I just also want to acknowledge, like, if you are listening and you've got a job that you love, you might be a government employee and you love your job, who can you forward this episode to that it will encourage them? You can be a connector. Like, what if you did some type of online thing or whatever and you're a connector? Like, it's just the more people you help, the better you will do. You know, it's just fact. Have you got 10 more minutes, Pat, to hang around? Let's go. Let's right. do it. We'll take a quick break and I'm going to ask Pat uh, a million dollar question and also he will answer, I'll, I'll choose one of the questions from the Facebook group. So we'll be right back after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Pat, you've been doing what you're doing a long time. Rewind 15 years. I don't know how old you are. I don't know. I know you got to be- 23. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not 23. That would be me now as eight. So no, oh, I'm not eight years old. I'm 38. Yeah, yeah. So re- rewinding 15 years, you know. I, I was going to say, is the beard a permanent installment? Because are we got to get a new photographer of the podcast <laughs> art or what's happening? Is that the quarantine beard? Or This is so true. That's so funny. Uh Probably the most common comment I've gotten this year, for sure. Uh, the beard is, for now, a permanent thing. It's something that, A, I didn't even know I could do. Yeah. I'm, I'm half Filipino, so it's like typically Filipinos don't get this. And so, yeah, uh, I, I like it. I think it also adds a little bit of a, I don't know. Some people are like, oh, you look wiser. I'm like, was I dumb before? Like, what's the deal? I don't know what, what you're saying. Um, so, I don't know. I just like it. Plus, it keeps me warm. Yeah, I hide behind my beard now that I'm bald. Uh, So you're 23 years old and we've got a lot of listeners that are 23. Would you do anything differently? If yes, what and why? And and realistically, at this point in the game, I don't, you know, if it's a relational thing, if it's a personal life thing, if it's a business thing, it doesn't need to be, you know, Pat the smart passive income guy, just as a human uh, yeah. Yeah. If you're 23, how would you attack things or change things if you were to change anything? 
so 23, I was still working at an architectural position, but I had the same drive that I have now. It was just in something different. And that drive led me to 10, 12-hour days at work. That drive had me using the weekends to get educated even more because I really wanted this success as an architect. Like that was my goal. And I was going to do whatever it took, which was why the layoff was even that much harder for me. But if I could rewind and go back a little bit, that's all my life was about at that point. And I feel like that I missed the opportunity to slow down a little bit and be thankful for where I was at. I was always looking ahead. And that's something that I do struggle with even today. When we have a you know six-figure business launch in our company, I'm already thinking about the next one. I'm not even celebrating because mm. I'm already moving ahead to the next one. And so if I could go back, I, I would I would I would see how I might be able to feel a little bit more present and grateful for the things I had already versus worrying that I wasn't quite yet where I wanted to be. Mm. And I don't know if you've seen the movie Soul, which came out on Disney Plus on Pixar, uh, Pixar's Disney Plus recently. We don't get Disney Plus down on the island. Are you kidding me? No, I think we do. We do. We do. We do. Dude, I was about to like, you can, you can, I'll stream it illegally for you. It's that, I won't do that. We got the internet uh, the other day down here on this uh, colonial outpost. It's a, it's a new thing. You should check it out. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not going to spoil the movie for you, but there are notes of just enjoy what you have Mm. and be grateful for it. And that's something that I didn't practice until, in fact, after I had kids, Mm. the ability to realize that every day is something I should cherish and something I should be grateful for Mm. and the people around me, the family, the things, the trees, whatever. It's like these things are always here, yet I don't even see them mm. because I'm so focused on the future. And I, you know, again, focusing on the future is great, but at the same time, you're also living today. So there you go. If you are that 23 year old and you're in Perth this time, you might be laying in bed having a listen to us in your ear. Uh, thanks for having us. It's dark in here. But um, how can you? be more intentional? How can you slow down, stop flapping around and be intentional? Um, Because hindsight's a beautiful thing. There's a question here in the Facebook group from Maddie Reed. Hey, Maddie, thanks for writing a question in. How would you balance the goal of developing a passive income versus paying off a home loan? So even as a reflection in your own life or students, to me, that says competing goals. What does that say to you? Yeah, that's an interesting question and very specific, actually. So, you know, for me, I am generating an income so that I can have more financial freedom. And financial freedom can mean many things to many different people. I'm not here to tell you that the more money you make, the more you should put into your home so that you can be debt-free. I know a lot of people want to be debt-free and that's their first goal. Other people use debt as a tool. And I I think it's really important just to understand how you want to approach it. But passive income is a tool as well because it allows that freedom of choice. And that's the best thing about passive income is it gives you the ability to, to choose. And I think when it comes to your specific situation, you'll have to do obviously the due diligence and talk to other people who perhaps you trust. And I think that if you were to just hear a random person in California t- tell you what to do uh, with your home, then that would be kind of nuts. But just my opinion, I think that, you know, for me in the, in the way that we do it, you know, we still have a mortgage on our home, but a lot of the 
money that could be spent paying off the home is in fact used to generate even more passive income, whether that be invest more back into the business or investments in the market. And a lot of the investments in the market in 2020 and, and, and before that, 2019, uh, have been very, 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 very fruitful, especially in the realm of Tesla, which I'm a huge fanboy. I have one. It's my favorite thing. And I know the company's balance sheet very well. I follow them very, very closely. And that money that could have been put into the house has, has, has you know, 5 x uh, in, in the market. So... You know, for me, I feel like that was a great choice for me. But uh, you know, the market's an interesting thing to be a part of. I'm I'm pretty much the same. I mean, you know, I've got my house. My mortgage is just on principal and interest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like to think I'm younger than someone who's 60 years old, so I've got more time to go at it and take more risk right. um, without the threat of my house or my rent or whatever like being taken away from me. So. From a, a fellow entrepreneur to another one, Maddie, like you've already got your house. So that's one big rock in your life. You know, if you play your cards right in your business, you be, like my first business that I had, it was a cash cow. It literally printed money. And if I know if I focus on the business, set up the systems and processes, it will do the same for you if you do that. So yeah, yeah that's awesome. Pat, any uh, any final words of wisdom? I've been loving your. Um, I'm actually taking a break from Instagram at the moment, uh, but I've been loving before I took the break your videos of or like your reels that you do. Uh, so search Pat Flynn I, on Instagram. I paused on those too, actually. Even though it's like a 10 second video, it takes a lot of work to get like creative. But oh, it's working totally. Uh, any final words of wisdom or any other th- thing random you want to say? Yeah, uh, fail faster. You know that's to me the secret Mm. and part of that means you got to get out there and consider that you might not know all the answers that you could try something and it can completely fail Mm. but i would much rather live a life full of oh wells than a life full of what ifs Mm. because when you really think about it if you're 60 70 80 whatever uh, the tail end of your life and you're thinking about all the things that you could have done all the things that could have been that's going to eat you up, mm. right? And I remember uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know if Australians are fans of yeah, Gary yeah, Vaynerchuk, we are. But, yeah. Uh, there was a video of a woman who was in her, in her car. She had her phone and she saw Gary Vaynerchuk walking on the street. So she rolls down her window and she goes, "Gary, Gary, come here. I just want to say thank you." And he comes up. He's like, "Hey, how are you?" And she's like, "Hey, one thing for the viewers. Give us one inspirational thing that helps you stay motivated every day. What do we do?" He's and he says, uh, "Here's the thing." you're going to die. Like in the very Gary Vaynerchuk way, he's just like into the camera. He might've even put an F word in there. I'm not sure. But then she's like, what? And he's like, you're going to die. Like someday you're going to die. Are you going to really keep your fears, your worries stopping you from doing the things that you want to do? Because one day it's all going to go away. So why are you living to just die doing nothing? And it was like, what? Like everybody's mind's blown, right? The comments exploding. And I saw that and I was like, wow. Like now I know why he said it that way because that hits, right? That hits. So I'm just passing that on to all of you because, you know, every day you got to be grateful for it because, I mean, truly, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And uh, this could be the last, this episode could be the last one I ever record. The team might put it up bro. like three weeks after I die. <laughs> this, is, this is getting dark. <laughs> yeah. 
no, I don't. I don't mean it that way. No, no, no. But it's just that it's perspective, isn't it? And perspective. Yes. How how many times in life has perspective really helped? And it's just amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And you said the keyword earlier. Let's be intentional. Right. Let's be intentional with things. Let's not be drones. Let's not be sheep. Let's not just be plugged into the matrix. Let's figure out what's going on. Get some get more information. The more information you have, the more knowledge and power you have. And let's be intentional with our choices. Pat Flynn, thank you so much. Check Pat's work out. You can Google Pat Flynn, passive income. I'm sure he'll be the top hit. You can follow Pat on Instagram. And do check out the book Will It Fly? I'm actually gonna grab the audio book. You've got an audio book of that. Yeah, I I read it myself. I even went off script a couple times. Oh, love that. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll, uh, we'll see you when you're in Australia. Thank you, everybody. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.